0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing Dr. CeCe Cook, a former cheerleader, and I just found out cheerleading and dance go together, so cheerleading and dance team member and a a physical therapist about her time at MSU and just her time as a physical therapist and all the things she had to do um, while she was at Mississippi State. Um, It'll be for our From the Dog's Mouth segment. Um, Joining me on the call today, first is going to be Ricardo Suggs. How you doing, Ricardo?
1: I would have to say I'm doing okay today. It's a little toasty here in uh, Houston, Texas. So therefore, me just coming <laughs> just from the be gym, I'm glad to be in the house on the air. But I have to get back out there in probably a couple hours so I can go back and do my uh, training and stuff like that. So yeah, I just hope everybody's out there taking care of themselves, uh, wearing your mask, not hanging around a group of people, not being dumb dog. So, but other than that, I hope everybody ha- is having a great
0: day, having a good time, and enjoy the podcast today. All right. And a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Kendrick Miss- uh, Mississippi Fat. Vivian, uh, he's in a staff meeting right now, uh, teacher life. So, I guess he's trying to do both. So, uh, we'll be joined by him a little later. But I'd like to introduce our guest, Dr. Cece Cook. How are you doing, Cece?
2: Hey. Let's go, dogs. <laughs>
0: She's going to be a little peppy, I guess, because I uh, remember she was a former cheerleader, guys. All right. So we'll just get it started. We all Our first question is, always, how did you become a Bulldog? Tell us, how did you become a Mississippi State Bulldog?
3: Okay. I am born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, Decatur, Georgia. And I went to, you know, Georgia schools. So everyone went to 13th grade at UGA, and I wanted to do different. I definitely wanted to stay within the SEC. Um, and I had family in Mississippi and in Memphis. So I applied for Mississippi State instead of UGA. And um, I was able to be close to family in both Jackson and Memphis. And so that's how I got there.
0: So is cheerleading somewhere you get offered a scholarship for, or you just decide to do once you get to
3: college? Okay, great question. In the world of cheerleading, no, you have to, you are kind of scouted because you do competitive cheerleading maybe, if you're good. And I did that all throughout high school, but you scout for yourself. There's not really anybody coming to do that. So you put in videos your senior year um, just to let coaches know that you're coming, you apply for the tryouts and you come. So I came to Mississippi state um, for a tryout and they're usually take place uh, in the spring. And sometimes they have to have two, like they may have a runoff or something of that nature. So I've been a Georgia girl, didn't know anybody in Mississippi, Mississippi state being in a smaller town. um, The community is really small there. So these girls have grown up in one gym the whole <laughs> time. They pretty much have a marked name on the on their on the team already. I mean I, it's politics, but you hate to say that they make it a tryout, but really people know, you know, who's the next <laughs> senior and who's coming. So I had a, I fought a little bit harder to actually make the team.
0: I kind of actually seamlessly transitions to my next question. I was gonna ask, I mean football, you know, sometimes you come in the guys like the hot shot quarterback or the hot shot receiver is almost you kind of know what your role is going to be on the team when you come in. The coaches have already told you, how do you kind of fit in with a chilling team? I know you did competitive cheer and did all that all your life. And then you come to a team, as you kind of said, that these girls kind of been around each other and you're really an outsider. How do you come in and fit in on a squad when you're kind of an outsider in a sense?
3: Absolutely. So you have to be like, know who you are. Um, I think coming from a, different town and coming to mississippi state one i'm black (laughs) two i'm not known so i really am I sent in videos and i get there and you how do you fit in i mean you just be yourself so i remember not to say you know i hate to throw the word racism or anything out there like that but i was not known and i was good Mm -hmm. and initially i did not make it i did not make it my freshman year and so you know if you go back and watch video and things of that nature I may have had skills, technical skills that someone else had that they didn't have. And I had it. So it was no reason for me not to have made the squad my first year. And of course, people who the trials were open. So people kind of, you know, contest that and try to fight like, oh, we need to have a retry. And it was no reason why CeCe didn't make the team. Um, But I just held my head up high. Initially, I thought, you know, I made a big mistake. I should have went to UGA. But so I started my first year and I didn't make a squad. So I went from fourth grade all the way up to you know what I thought I would cheer in college and I didn't have that spot my freshman year so it's not like football where you go recruit you have to be known but had I gone to Georgia I would have it would have been almost kind of like that my name was known in Georgia not in Mississippi or Alabama other schools I applied to
0: so the political game might have worked more in your favor there um so I guess, what ended up happening where you made the squad your second year? Was it the coach came back and approached you, maybe realized they made a mistake? Or how did they even – you just tried out again? How did that work out?
3: They changed uh, coaching staff. And I think there was a little bit of, you know – I don't re- quite remember, but they changed coaching staff. And that coach was Daryl Lyons, and he was an African-American coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had known of him in the cheerleading world anyways. Um, and so he had a second tryout. Um I think it was like my it was definitely freshman year and I made like JV he created another squad like JV Palm squad. Mm-hmm. And so um that was fine but that wasn't what I wanted. So the spring I tried out, you know, for the sophomore year um for varsity palm and he just made things a lot more fair, but he was getting, you know, um setbacks from everything. So it wasn't from the community. So you remember they have one like local gym in Starkville so where all mm. these girls are coming from Starkville high mm. or surrounding schools, Meridian, wherever it may be. And they already have claimed spots cause they, have you know, been in pageants, they've been um, in their competitions around mm. the state. So um, I think coach Lyons made it fair and, but I didn't want anybody to give me a handout. Let me try. So instead of doing cheerleading, which is what I was used to, I tried prom squad and it, and, in the South, I guess they have Palm and Cheer, and they're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we got just as much PR and time as, um, I think, the cheerleaders. I enjoyed it a lot more. I wasn't forced to have to go up in the stunt at this point. I just got to dance and actually true be a cheerleader as well as a leader.
0: Mm-hmm. So it seems like uh, Coach Lyons was kind of intentional about bringing you back into the fold. Do you think he kind of sought you out when he came on kind of? If he was well-known in the chilling world, I'm sure he knew about you. So was it that he was just intentional about trying to get you back in the fold?
3: Maybe not that, but I'm always, as a student, you know, you are a number anywhere you go, even as mm-hmm. a professional. So you always introduce yourself. Um, we had been in competitions around the U.S. together. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he was intentional about bringing African-Americans, changing the look. Like our football team was all all black, you know? So he was really intentional about changing – the look so he wasn't it was about a good program with a mixture of 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 um, ethnicity
0: cool so I guess what I was thinking about I guess the main reason when we want to ask someone like your cell is kind of give us a different viewpoint of of course as fans we look at it or even when I was a student is the football basketball team and how that's like how good and bad the teams are and it's kind of a I guess an odd switch the football team at that time the time period you were a cheerleader wasn't very good but the basketball team was very good so how was that different, I guess, when the football team – it was probably the worst era in Mississippi football, honestly. And then the basketball team was probably the best era. So how was it been a cheerleader kind of seeing both sides? Oh, um, that one was, Ooh, bad, that one
3: was one. hard. <laughs> i sorry to cut you off. That <laughs> no, was good. hard. So that was waking – I mean, at that point, we didn't have hardly any student fans. So that was that last – Jackie Sherrill's last mm-hmm. year maybe, I think that's my sophomore year. Um, we lost every single game. We cheered in the rain. That was, no one paid. Mind you, we don't get paid for cheerleading or nothing like that. No college sports does. We didn't even get, we got maybe a book stipend for $75, I think, at the time. $75. <laughs> wow. That's it. No free No free meals. I'm, remember, I'm from I'm out of state, so I paid for my own meals and everything. We got nothing. So, but, you know, you get the name of being on, on the cheer and the spirit squads at Mississippi State. Um, But that was hard. So then, you know, when basketball and football season kind of crossed for a few weeks, so we go finish the losing football game, maybe in the day of rain, (laughs) we go shower, make up, back up, and be at the basketball, the hump, you know, for the basketball game that night. And then that switched a little bit because we were winning and it was a lot of fun. Um, But regardless, we were cheerleaders. A, A cheerleader, you are actually what the name is, you know, for the winning and losing team. I think the Alumni Association definitely appreciated the Spirit Squads because we would have to get started. You know, if the game was at 11 o'clock, we'd start at 7 or 8 o'clock that morning mm-hmm. doing sometimes, um, like, private cheer um, for, for different clubs or something like that or different associations. We would start doing, like, their mini pep rallies, and then we'd be at you know, on the Bulldog Walk, and we'd continue all the way up until the end of the game.
0: Wow. I guess I didn't know y'all did all of that. <laughs> y'all <don't get> scholarships, <laughs> y'all don't get scholarships. It's crazy. Um, but
3: not even a free meal.
0: <laughs> Seventy-five dollars. I was like, I know I had a professional. One of my my books was like a hundred dollars, so that's crazy. My name Absolutely. Was. So, all right. So, I guess I touched on the two sports, but I didn't touch on the other one. I know you said you were cheerleader for volleyball, which I didn't even know they had cheerleaders for. I guess maybe me being a guy, I don't know. But how is that like for a sport like volleyball, which may not get the level of fan support that the other two?
3: So at the time when Coach Lyons came on, he created like a JV squad. And I don't know if that was his way of getting more girls that didn't get the opportunity for those 14 or 16 slots on pom, and mm-hmm. I think 14 slots on cheer. I think it was his way of creating um, just more space for good talent that was actually there at Mississippi State. So I don't think they do cheer for volleyball anymore. They, we did for, I think, two years and the jv palm squad did that um Mm -hmm. so i only got to do that i think just right at the end of my freshman year a few times and that was different nobody comes to those games um Mm -hmm. now i hope they get a lot more support but you're Mm -hmm. we were there we were the fans and the cheerleaders
0: and i guess i guess in a way too it kind of let y'all develop your skills in a way too so i guess it didn't make a bit of sense in, in that regard. So...
3: Yeah, it was good practice for the big the big shows, you know?
0: Somehow I'm kind of starting to see what he was kind of doing, but with, maybe without even knowing. But um, so I'm going to talk about a specific, I guess, season. The 03-04 season with the boys. That was considered like the... Probably one of the best years in basketball for Mississippi State. How was it just for a season like that? Because I'm, I'm imagining that the energy was just through the charts for a season like that, especially once we got into SEC play. So how was it being a cheerleader when the game is... I mean, in
3: a sense, that intense. Uh, we practiced a lot more. We wanted to be as, just as perfect as that team was at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: that was most memorable. We got to go to Atlanta. Um, and remember, we're not funded to go to Atlanta. So we put in our own money at the time to do that, whereas the teams are going pretty much for free. Um, and we, don't, we had no booster clubs like doing anything for, of that nature. But just a great experience. You want it to be as perfect as the team was on the floor. And growing up, if you're, you know, in the world of cheerleading, you got to be structured, you know, people say we're not athletes, but we're true athletes. Just as you know, your kinesthetics on a football field or knowing how to get into the end zone with just one foot and keep it there. Obviously we're making flips and turns and, you know, being very aware of our surroundings running in and out on the floor, uh, referees just watching out for everybody. So that was fun. That was, a lot of fun, minus, you know, all the football stuff
2: that we had to get over. All
0: right. <laughs> so we're not going to touch on football anymore. Let's, let's stick to basketball. <laughs> we're going to stick to the fun stuff then. All right, so with basketball, is two particular games that stick out to me, I guess, from that year. First, it was the Kentucky game. So how was it? We lost that game. So tell me about the Kentucky game and the energy level for that. Then, you know, us losing at the end. Did it almost feel like y'all lost with the team?
3: It definitely does. You feel a part of it. Um, but – We came so far. None of us had ever gone that far. Remember, we had come off of, like, a good solid three years of losing on football. So we looked forward to basketball. And basketball, we were almost there, but we just quite didn't make it. So I don't remember going home sad. I remember going home honored that we had gotten that far. And Mm -hmm. so after graduation in 2005, of course, Mississippi State just stepped their game up on the athletic and all athletic programs, Mm -hmm. you know, going back. It was nice to see all the winning games. It was winning streaks for a long time. So, mm-hmm. to me, I look back at that moment. No, we were uh, – I mean, that was great just to be a part of that, the loss.
0: What it, about I – mean, to cut you all but what about the Alabama game? Obviously, at the end of the year, I think we lost to them, then we beat them at the end with Timmy. We had him on a few weeks ago, in a, I guess, in a big shot, and then we won an overtime. How was it for a game like that, especially since it's a road game?
3: <laughs> you are on edge and so remember when we're on the road um well cheerleaders don't go on the road we only went on the road for the egg bowl
0: okay see there's me like <laughs>
3: um, no that's okay but we're watching obviously you know i lived in the dorm i was ra uh the mm-hmm. whole time when i was at mississippi state so i would gather my residents you know in the lobby if we're there and mm-hmm have party we're watching as if we are there at the game but yep cheer uh, we don't travel unless it was those that local game and at the mm-hmm. time the egg bowl was um sorry to detour from the what you were asking nah, but the nah, egg was bowl cool. was actually on thanksgiving day so you were kind of pulled away from your families to go be a part of that and I, they don't they i don't think they do it on thanksgiving day anymore now mm-hmm. um but it was so much fun we look forward to that you
0: mm-hmm. know so so I guess what I kinda of wanted to get into you kind of brought it up about being an RA, so I guess that's kind of a good transition. Tell me about I guess being an RA. I guess of course you have all of chilling requires a lot of training and a lot of time. How's that being an RA and having to look over? I don't know which um age level you had or which dorm you were at. So how's that having to oversee other people that you know are gonna be doing stupid stuff?
3: Okay, so I started off at Sessoms. We used to call ourselves sexy Sessoms. Um <laughs> Sessoms was a freshman dorm at the time, and then I moved over to McKee, and McKee is where I did my tenure of uh, residence life there. I became senior RA, so I was in charge of hiring and firing the student workers, um, and keeping up with my resident assistants who managed all four floors at the time. And so in order to have some of these positions, we think about football and basketball, and you have to be a leader. OK, and so and I feel like when you step foot onto Mississippi State's campus or into some of these southern states, being African-American, one, you truly have to be a leader. Sometimes you're a leader and you don't even know it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. OK, and so throughout our growth and our tenure throughout college, you know, by the time you're a senior, I hope that we all leave there knowing that. I think I stepped on campus and I knew that Dr. Ann Bailey was <laughs> uh, part of residents' Life. I'm not sure if you knew her or who I'm talking about. Um but she pulled me in and she just told me how special I was and, um, and a true leader. And so I'm grateful to have been a part of residence life because managing, like I said, a staff of student workers, mm-hmm. you know, the ones, who, and the ones who wanted to be a part of sports or were into sports but still needed a little bit of work or something like mm-hmm. that, it, you know, pulling out somebody's uh, strength and their character was wonderful. And mind you, I'm still an AKA and I'm still going to Palm Squad practice. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot. I was managing a lot at one time as a college student, um, <laughs> but to to showcase being a leader. And then I still keep in contact with some of my student workers to this day, who become Man. almost like family. Yes, but what what I the character I pulled out of them. Somebody did it for me.
0: That was and weird. So I'm
3: grateful to have given
0: back. That was weird. As I mean, I I stayed on the dorm for two years, and I don't think I had much interaction with my RA my second year, but the first year I know. It was almost like they would, cause I remember, our, I guess the head RA, he would call and give a little automated messages and we never would kind of pay attention. I'm not saying that happened at your dorm, but a lot of See? times we'd be like, uh, nah. But <laughs> but it was normally pretty cool. So how is that, like, trying to get, like, people that are younger than you to kind of, well, most times not much younger than you, to kind of understand the rules of what you can and cannot do. Because, I mean, we did a lot of schools with God dorm, so of course we did a lot of students. Uh, trust me, we heard about it all. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the resident life community is really close-knit but you know to this day I feel like I'm in my late 30s right now I I have patients who come in and they think I'm their age and that's fine it's all about how your delivery method that's mm-hmm. how you gain respect to me you know so I may look your age but I'm not you know and I think when how we uh, present ourselves and you become relatable and then that's when you can demand respect. So, I never had an issue of somebody walking over me and the few times that I did, I mm-hmm. had to say, "Hey, I saw you come to work 10 minutes late repeatedly. You keep doing this to me. I don't do that to you." But, you know, I don't want to and this is what we face now in the world of just being the black and white America. You know, you try to look out for your brothers and sisters and but I it is my duty to hone it back in and say I am doing this for you I need you to do this for me and this is how mm-hmm. 10 years later you know you gain that respect and we become CEOs of companies and all of that stuff just because you gained that so I might look young and I think at that time I probably nobody I mean they knew I was senior RA and resident assistant and stuff like that but because I demanded that respect they didn't walk over
0: me like that yeah and that's, that's I guess it's good it was, like I said in our dorm it was kind of like the RA or RD was kind of like, oh man, this guy. I can still remember, what was it? My first year, they made like a video for one of the RAs, like bad boys, bad boys, and him like writing <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, so that was that was pretty hilarious. He was cool though. Like we, we friends on Facebook, we're still friends, but it. it was kind of funny.
3: I, and you know, I even thinking about that, like I think people did wonder how I had so much time to, you know, to be involved, but yet be still be present within that dorm. But I remember I started my Facebook account. I think in 2003. Um, Facebook at that time was only for colleges.
0: I was like oh, so 03. I thought that to- was you like a really early adopter.
3: <laughs> yes. Okay, so at the time your college had to be like, you know, in the Facebook network, okay? Mm-hmm. I liked it when it was like that too cuz it was wonderful to find friends but every all your friends like maybe Alabama A&M, they weren't on there yet. Mm-hmm. And so my program, when face that was kind of when Facebook first started, 0203. So mm-hmm. I remember that spring getting my residence and I started my profile then to show them, hey, this is a network for, you know, us to reach each other and reach some of your friends. And so, you know, look how wonderful that was. Like you were saying how, you know, you're still connect some with your old RA, but mm-hmm. I'm still connecting. I don't check Facebook as much anymore, but um. But I still am able to log on, connect, and see what people are doing with their families. So it's all about the leadership part of it and, you know, putting new things out there in front of people.
0: Who would have thought Facebook would have lasted this long? I thought it was going to be like another, I guess, black planet. And they, what did they have, College Club and all that bullshit cool back then. Listen, I would have <laughs> bought
3: some stock in Facebook had I known it wasn't,
0: had <laughs> I was have really, done much. I really didn't think it Because I guess at that time you had stuff like that, it really didn't. It'd be like a year or two and people lose interest or in something
3: Absolutely. Never
0: thought it'd become this phenomenon. Uh, all right. So, uh, you mentioned that you were an AKA, and for people that aren't Greek, and especially we have white listeners that might not even understand how, I guess, Black Greeks work. So, kind of explain to people that process of uh, one joining the Greek, and then once you become an AKA who are seen as like the pretty girls. So, just kind of explain that process. Huh. <laughs>
3: okay. So, AKA is Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. We are the first Black female sorority. Um, founded in 19, founded in 1908. And then there's, we have the pan Council, which is all fraternities, Black fraternities and sororities. Um, so we don't necessarily have a rush. I think, you know, um, uh, some of the white sororities and fraternities have rushed when we first get to school. Ours is more of a sought out process. Like, you know, we have interest programs and um, things of that nature that help involve, get the community together. And then we hold an actual rush. And so it's a little different from what white fraternities and sororities do. Um, however, we service the community. I mean, we are at Mississippi State Lambda eta chapter. Follow three is when I um, pledged. And we are in the community. We are on campus. We are visible. And I think now more than ever, we are very, very visible. And so where I think what we used to do like um, some, like games or something with some of the white sororities and tri Delta mm-hmm. and Phi Mu and um, so that was always fun. We didn't make it about a race thing but, mm-hmm. but at that point we came together as um, like a common bond of you're in a sorority, I'm in a sorority let's meet together and see how we can work so that, you know, same thing we want to show the world today that we're working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, our sorority and fraternity set up for Black Greeks are a little bit different.
0: So how is that, I guess, being an AKA? So I don't think we've had an AKA on here yet. I think we even had, once talked. To, we was talking to a girl that was adults. How is that being an AKA and knowing all the other girls are like hating on you and stuff like that? Because that's normally, I guess, what does happen.
3: That's our little stereotype. Um,
0: I mean, y'all do know, use mirrors and stuff when y'all do this.
3: <laughs> uh, that's like the, you know, that's definitely props throughout life now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Um,
3: I think being on the yard I remember coming to Mississippi State. remember I came from out of state, and I knew an a k a before I even you know they said their name i i that was something I grew up that way. I always wanted to um, do that and uh oh, did I lose you?
0: no you did you
3: sorry um and I always wanted to do that so it's not you don't boast about it. I mean, people kind of hate on you, but I think it's okay to talk to a person in a sorority, it's especially for females like. It's okay to get to know each other. But, you know, I don't know. I always was taught to hold my head up high. And, <laughs> you know, you are, I, I, I mean, I love it. Some of my best of friends, though, are, are Deltas. Um, and, and now just what AKA has done for me, gosh, this is almost, what, 17, 18 years later? Right. Um, <laughs> it's created a bond. I'm still very close with my line sisters. Um, professionally there are, you know, I can't say that I'm the only black doctor or I can really reach out and I have a true network of sisters that I can reach out. And this is in Hawaii. This has been in Paris, wherever I go, I have a sorority sister there. So, you know, I think when we're young, we look at it like, Oh, I don't like that girl. She's mean to me. Or no, you should sometimes people just are peeping you out or just like, Trying to realize who you are, you know. I think if you want to join uh fraternity, not if I don't know fraternities, I can't speak for it, but sororities, you know, you can't go around campus fighting around. Like, we don't want that in our sororities at all. So, definitely not in AKA, but you know, oh, you trust me, the
0: guys talk about it too. So.
3: <laughs> I know, I know. So, and it's fun. It's not all about, I think people think Greek life and sororities are about partying and she made it and i didn't want number one first and foremost if you want to join a sorority um and you gotta keep your grades up fraternities too
0: mm-hmm. because
3: that was the principles we were founded upon so we were founded upon those academic principles
0: so i guess with all of that we kind of touched on all the different areas i guess like your time mr state so how is it that you balance all that because of course being an aka that's the ultimate innocent social and responsibility had sport with cheerleading. And then, of course, um the academic, you still have to do all that while, I guess, leading people and doing all those things. So how were you able to balance all three?
3: <laughs> you know, when my mom followed me coming to school, I had a car my freshman year. But when she followed me, when she left, she was like, you're here for one reason. So I just knew that I was out from out of state. I didn't have out of state tuition, you know, in-state tuition. Um, but I kept my eye on the prize. I did not want to be there longer than four years. I knew I wanted to either go to medical school or some type of, um, advanced education and to not waste the time to do that. But I had calendars and I, you know, you kind of get, to, as I met friends, people would hold you accountable, but that light, that's kind of like we do now. Work-life balance is still kind of tough, but mm. at the time in that space, in those four years, I somehow balanced. Palm squad aka residence life and um and actually being social and able to see my family so those those big components and keep my grades up um but you just realize you're there for a reason I mean I think college is not free and so I don't know some of my friends that were around or people that I knew I don't know if they were getting scholarships or if college was free for them but it wasn't free for me so I took 16 to 19 hours every semester. Whoa. Um, I sure did. And before applying to PT school, I needed one more science course. So I came back the summer after graduation, took physics, um, which I was so miserable then because I was paying for it and it was hot and nobody was on campus to have fun with. But yeah, you just kind of have to, you have to know your purpose while you're there. I think college life is so much fun. I mean, it was my first time being around so many people. And, you know, I think even in the, yeah, you just have to make the best of it. Meet your friends. You know, my mom always said, don't look for friends. They'll come to you. And it's true.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I didn't, and, but some of my greatest friends, she also said some of your greatest friends will be from college. And I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't believe that then, but I believe it now. So just meeting people that hold you accountable, like you are not there to party, even though that comes with the territory, but you get that groundwork your freshman year, that first semester, sophomore year, you
0: I was good. I was good. I, well, I, I think you kind of pick it back piggybacking off your statement is more, as far as your college friends end up being like your biggest friends. And you start looking back. And they're not saying your friends from childhood aren't doing anything. You start like, man, this person I went to college with, even the people you weren't, I guess, big friends with, like, oh, this person's a principal. Oh, this person is this. Oh, this person is this. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what they mean by that. So that doesn't mean you are friends with people just so they can do, I guess, because they're doing great things, but at the same time, it, it makes sense. All
1: right, so Ricardo had a question for you. Uh, yes, ma'am.
0: Um, I, I have a
1: question. It's kind of pertaining to this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna step off the curb just to shade, just to shade. It's not a hot take. I'm just gonna step off just to shade. Okay. okay. With all right, with you being a cheerleader at Mississippi State. Now, I went to Jackson State for like two years. I went to a sweat school. Not knocking, not knocking my uh Mississippi State dog, but I just went down and, and I knew a few people that were. A part of it, like I had friends and and people that I met along the way while I was there, tell me like stories when it comes to cheerleaders and other people that's a part of the uh, sports part. And when he has anything to do with sports at college. Now, with that being said, did you all have any restrictions due to like who you could socialize with, talk to when it related to relationships? Because I I was told at Jack State like there's a few girls that. I knew that it was on the Chile squad they weren't allowed to have any type of relationship with the basketball players, football players, and people of that nature um where did they have those type of rules uh with you all in their state? or it was pretty much free range. No, it was
3: free range um no, I don't recall any restrictions <laughs> now, <laughs> I know that um I remember my freshman roommate dated a football player um i won't say any names or anything but i'll still i i went to new orleans uh for a black alumni weekend or something like that i don't know it was something fun last september it was fun to see everybody mm-hmm. but you know i was on the sideline i saw some of the football players it was pretty cool but no we did not have any restrictions however your coach you know he, word got out and it got out quickly <laughs> it got out fast hold on i'm sorry i take a. OK. I'm sorry. It was cool. I'm almost done. OK, so no, I, I don't think that um, we had any restrictions. But.
1: Yeah, because the <laughs> reason why I say that is because when, we was, when I was at Jack State, like, it, they, like they're truly the culture of other people. They were telling me like, hey, don't you know stand that person right there. Stay far away from them as possible as possible as you can. Because, you know, when you're in college, you're young. You're fresh out of high school. And you got, like, I ain't trying to put nobody in the bag, like, but this is what happened at this particular school. Like, they would notice that, you know, when people come in, and, like, most of the like, future leaders that were freshmen, sophomore, and you had the juniors and seniors would, you know, saying part, partake and try to parlay with them when now you've knocked out, you're getting completely knocked off your rock and you're not focused that'll affect your grades, that'll affect, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to you, you being a chili, it'll affect a lot of stuff. And i seen in cases while I was there those two years where a few of those young ladies that were on the chili squad, they would end up pregnant. And they were warned mm, not to, mm. you know what I'm saying, with these people. But you went against the grain. And when it did basically what your cheer, cheer coach told you not to do. So, therefore, those people got kicked off the team, and that pretty much derailed their whole college career. That's the reason I spoke on
3: So, and that makes a great point because I've mentored several um, women over the years, you know, and cheer or whatnot. Um, however, that's when I, we talk about, you no, know, there's no, you, you go to college, you're grown. So you already know to hold a scholarship, we don't get cheer scholarships, but to hold a position on there, you are a part of the team. And you one bad mistake makes everyone kind of look bad. So you want I mean I think that's what coaches try to definitely push to towards us um but that's what I talk about early on meet that person whoever your big sister or some play brother or somebody may be that freshman year. I mean it is very imperative that you find yourself in a good group of people um mm-hmm. or Jonathan Lee was my academic advisor or some he um, help get my intake going at Mississippi State. And I think he does great things in Jackson, Mississippi now, once he moved on from Starkville. But I would go visit Mr. Lee at that time, like, and he just kept me on task. How's school going? How is this going? Like, I, I didn't get caught up. And I, it's so easy to do that. But usually when your coach says, look out for him, look out for look out for them
0: well i think too speaking of a guy when you're in college and you see certain dudes on the team even if you're not friends with them they have reputations so they're like if you're attached to this person it's gonna look bad on you even if you may not even be like that you may be the good girl but as, you know, absolutely my, as the perception is reality uh so what i wanted to get into next is kind of talking about i guess your post career at Mississippi state because i mean you have a pretty accomplished career after the fact so First, let's uh, kind of talk about a little bit about, you know, your time at St. Augustine and kind of getting your uh, doctorate. In. I'm guessing you were getting your doctorate in physical therapy then?
3: Yes, I left Mississippi State. And mm-hmm. I, at the time, all the most of the physical therapy programs had switched over to a doctorate program.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and so I went to the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences in St. Augustine, Florida, mm-hmm. one of the oldest cities in the U.S., Um, and that's where I spent about three years going through hardcore training, um, clinicals. I traveled back to Mississippi for one of my clinicals, Florida of South, like going towards Orlando for one and Houston for another clinical. Um, and after that, you go back, graduate, take your national boards and then you become a PT. So I am based now in
0: Houston, Texas. I guess all three of us are. So what oh my god, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, what made you want to come to Houston, Texas? I mean, I live here, so I understand. I guess how awesome a big city can be. What made you come here?
3: Okay. So, when this is more of a testimony now than it used to be, like an embarrassment. But when I first got to PT school, I didn't pass my boards right away, mm-hmm. and um, I had no clue. So, Texas is one of five states that'll let you sit for like. Uh, an assistant exam then I guess while you're just working on um on actually taking the national board so I did I sat for the physical therapy assistant exam and um I needed to work you know while right. I passed worked on passing this test so that is how I actually got to Texas I had to because I didn't pass my boards right away I had to forego um my first job in Atlanta and but I came to Texas I stayed and I studied I worked as a physical therapist assistant And I was just quiet about it. You know, even my supervising therapist who was a PT um, didn't know that I had gone to PT school. I was just quiet, you know, Mm -hmm. about this great accomplishment, but I hadn't quite gotten there. So I studied enough, retook the test, um, and like two years later, and when I felt, I don't know why, I was just so anxious, but... It goes to show timing is everything. So I passed mm. that, and that's how I actually came to Houston. Other than that, I would probably would have stayed in Atlanta. And I'm grateful I came here, though.
0: So how important it is to get your doctorate in a field like physical therapy? Obviously, something like I'm a teacher, so, of course, it's good to maybe get further, you know, education. But in a field like physical therapy, how important is it to get your doctorate and get that certification?
3: Super important. I do think education is, is key. Um, I've, if you know, have a passion, I think, let me say this. Your passion is first and foremost. I am a big advocate of education, especially early education. But post, um, I've grown to not be. I mean, I think developing a trade is most important because we there have so many. You, you guys play football, so you your school was paid for. Mine wasn't. You know, um, when I mentor students now, I, I love education. And I love having a profession and creating a passion behind it. But if you you have a trade, you can go a long way. So I wouldn't just go out there and say, hey, 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 everybody go be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. It may not be for everybody. And I'm okay with that. But having a trade, having a passion, and some get up and go about it, you can do it just as well as myself, just as well as the CEO of, you know, the company of Chevron or something is doing.
0: So. So you're ready to get your National Board Certification. You have your doctorate now. So I'm going to guess at that point, you decided to go ahead and start your own business. So it's kind of a long name. So I tried to I guess put this in the background so it makes it a little easier. Uh, What made you come up with that name, Busybody Fitness and Rehab? What made you come up with
3: that name? So you just saying everything I've done over the years. Um, (laughs) I wrote down a list of names. And then I came up with Busybody. People used to call me that all the time. I (laughs) think you're such a busybody. And I said, you know what, Busybody stood out. So at that point I called the state and I couldn't have it as two words because there's a Busybody equipment here or something like that. So they, the lady said, well, you can have it as one word and then you're doing fitness and, and rehab. And, um, but then it is named after me, Busybody. Um, mm-hmm. The logo kind of looks like a butterfly or a spine, mm-hmm. but I always think of it, you come as a Busybody and I call my patients Busybodies um but you come <laughs> as a, a caterpillar when you leave your cocoon which is you become a butterfly so you're able to soar on all levels you know mentally physically when you leave anything that has to do with uh me or my staff at this company
0: so how is it kind of just striking out on your own um as far as i don't know if physical therapy normally operates that way but how is it striking out on your own because at that point i guess you were pretty still relatively young so how is it striking out on your own in a field like that
3: oh my goodness it's hard because there's nobody doing it before me um, that w- are, is willing to truly help. Um, I remember like at Mississippi State, Kevin Randall was the PT at the, uh, clinic on, on campus. And I'm grateful for him giving me my internship there to f- complete my undergraduate. Um, with, you know, cause I was involved in so much stuff. I had no other choice but to be on campus. So, um, that was nice, but I just, you know, it was so much one it was hard to get into school and then two you get out and what do you do do you work for somebody the whole time no um i didn't i'm just not one to do that so leaving on my own i have made so many mistakes but it's been so rewarding um Mm -hmm. there's not been a book for it nobody's handed me a book um a few of my colleagues from graduate school have been able to help and answer questions but we've kind of just all gone through this together um it's not easy and you know if you Sometimes I think about quitting, but if you're not thinking about quitting, you're not doing the right thing. So, yeah, I, I get the motivation from being able to help others. Like when I get students um, right. and being able to, they they want to know why. But I think now we're in this world of, you know, Instagram University and Google University. You know mm. that people think things are handed to them, and nothing, none of this was handed to me. Um, so you can't get it off of Instagram. You can't shop for this.
0: Mm.
3: And so meeting that right person that's a mentor, which because I didn't have it, I like to be, be that to someone else if they're willing to do the work.
0: What's the biggest challenge of doing that job? I mean, in a sense you're an independent contractor, I know that's obvious, but what's the biggest challenge of having being that i guess in take in that field
2: So
3: I love what I do, I love physical therapy, but i am I do not like to hire and fire, or I mm-hmm. like to hire, but not to fire. <laughs> um people so you know when you're owning a let's say a corporation or you know it's you want to know all aspects of your business i think the hardest part part for me is management of just the management and the administrative part um but that's why you hire people you have a team to help you and get it done
0: (laughs) all right so (laughs) i guess the thing i'm thinking about now i guess with this and you know we talk about social distancing we were talking about masks before i guess we started recording, like in a sense, in a way, you're kind of on the front lines now. So especially with, I'm sure you have, I don't know if you not having senior, I guess, patients during this time. So our challenge is for you right now to still make a living while also trying to be safe because obviously you're probably more at risk than anybody.
3: Okay, that is a wonderful question. I hope everybody is keeping safe during this pandemic. Um, this is the first for everybody, everyone. So initially my business, uh, it went from good to zero we went from a great patient caseload to two patients at the start of this. Um, I didn't, I asked for God to slow me down just a little bit this year, but I didn't ask for that. You know, no, I don't think anybody's, (laughs) anybody was prepared for the slowdown. So imagine that I went from being able to pay a staff and rent at my facility to like figuring out where it comes from next. Um, And I picked up hours at one of the nursing homes and um, to help out just a little bit because staff is low everywhere being on the front line. So yes, they do have COVID patients. I have seen COVID patients. I've seen, it's been kind of rough. I've seen people, you know, Mm -hmm. die. I see them one day, they die the next. I've also seen people have been on a vent for 45 days and they come in for just a little bit of rehab and they leave and they go home. So I think when, you know, we're, um, it's been difficult on the business side of it. I lost a lot of business, but we switched over from, thank you to all my, dear friends and people who really willing to help me on the tech side but we switched over to telehealth and so that was nice um the complications with that is everybody had gone from uh, working in an office to home and then you had the kids so everybody was pulling from bandwidth and those become you know that by the end of the day at telehealth you think we're on the you know like communication like this now and it's going smooth but it would be like okay let me call you back so (laughs) that was fine i was still able to see a few faces and i think we saw like just two post-surgical people in clinic and then me helping out on um friends at the like a nursing home or rehabilitation center that's where it's been Mm it it hit, hit it hits home and it's hitting every week it hits closer and closer to home especially in our age group
0: so so Hopefully, I, answer your question. <laughs> yes, it very much did. So, next, to final question, um, and then last, I kind of end more like with a lesson. So, how did what you um, being a cheerleader, doing uh, having all those roles, how did it help you uh, in what you're doing now?
3: Mm. I think I've had such a struggle with getting on to cheer at Mississippi State. I don't know if that helped me. I feel like I was always fighting for that position. I was fighting mm-hmm. for my rightful spot on the, on the squad. So I can't say that that particularly helped me. I do. I'm grateful to coach Daryl Lyons and he's now at uh university of Georgia state and his program mm-hmm. is doing great. So I'm glad that he's been a light somewhere else. Um, but I can't say that that helped me And the Mississippi state didn't do much to help me with that. You know, mm-hmm. um,
0: well, but I'm grateful
3: re- for the opportunity.
0: I guess I rephrase. I guess the skills that I mean, I'm a former. Well, not former. I still do write. But being a writer, being a teacher, I always think like rough draft, and then coming up with a final draft. My mind always. I have to write down everything, and then it has to be perfect. So, what type of skills that you had, like as a cheerleader, and even some of those other roles you had transferred into this?
3: Okay. So when okay. So I will say the other roles of um, being an AKA being a resident assistant has just prepared me up, set me up for life to be a true leader, to be a boss, to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, to, you know, when we talk back on my experience with cheerleading, it was great. and It was fun. I always had to fight. I'm still doing that now as a business owner, as a woman to be in black, like I am still doing that now. But I overcame that and it was fun and I made it what it was. And so I'm still overcoming what I am doing now. So it's just the preparation. I'm grateful for it. In regards to sorority, it taught me financials. It taught me sisterhood. It taught me teamwork. You get to graduate programs and a lot of your projects do become team, you know, teamwork. Mm -hmm. So teaching you that. And then, of course, residence life at Mississippi State was amazing. And Mm -hmm. that definitely, I feel like that's where I got my bossmanship from, you know, like, (laughs) certified those that the residence life program there is amazing so
0: all right so final question Like, how would you advise like that girl is coming in to be a cheerleader or somebody kind of wants to go from that place where she's a cheerleader and having all the roles to now you have your own business what would be the advice you tell that girl because i mean obviously it's not easy but what would you um tell that girl who's or person it's not even girl but person is kind of wanting to take that journey go from you know college sports and doing different things in college to what you're doing
3: now perfect well I would say you maybe have some people from high school or something listed or people incoming freshmen from community college or JUCOs that want to come in to be cheerleaders keep your grades up hope they're high keep your skills up you know you have to work as a competitor you always work it post-college um life is not end-all be-all at cheerleading or football and Mm. you know what what you have to ask yourself, it's probably about your junior year. Like, what is it that I want to do post college? Because you can't stay there in that comfort zone forever. Oh, some um, do. <laughs> but some do. I do remember that, you know, the uh, sixth or eighth year senior, I remember those. But I was <laughs> even once again, I didn't know how they, they paid for that. <laughs> but yeah, so you just finding, finding a network. Remember, your network is your net worth. So, uh, you know, throughout life. And I think. Somebody told me that early on, and I found that group of people to help me, to see me through. So just stick to it. Obviously, you you have to map it out. You want to go to school to cheer, play ball, like keep your skills and keep your grades up. You will find the athletic department definitely looks out for us athletes in regards to academics. So I do appreciate, I did appreciate that, um, keeping your grades up. And then post, you don't have that. Nobody looking out for you no more in regards to academics. How are you going to see yourself through this graduate program or see yourself through the first job <laughs> that you may have? You don't have anybody. So in regards, like, you being a teacher, I know you're probably educating young and teaching these kids young, like right more now. than just classroom stuff.
0: Yeah, I think I try to, I think, I when I have an earlier group. I'm an elementary teacher, so I don't think it really clicks them. They're seven, eight, nine years old. They're not clicking when you're 18, 19, 20 that you have to operate a certain way, but you, know, you try to educate them like, hey, when you get to college, ain't nobody gonna be like, hey, you know, um, do your homework mm-hmm. or do this. It's gonna be like, okay, come to class if you want to. Um, if you don't, that's on you. Like, it's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, so, it ain't no, nobody's making you do anything. Cause I can still remember my freshman year. I actually always did well in math, but I think I had college algebra, and technically they gave us homework. We didn't have to do it, so I wouldn't do it. So then I get to the test, I'm like, oh, I don't remember none of this stuff. So you, know, you, you find that you find out real quick. So uh, I didn't have an illustrious college career. I, that's like my biggest testimony. You know, I was like, I tell people, like, yeah, I probably should have taken a little more seriously. But, um, but
3: that's okay. You're taking life now more seriously. So like yeah.
0: It. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, I guess, how you're supposed to. I think it's almost, uh, you become, I guess, a lesson to the other ones. Because I tell my kids whenever I get, because a lot of teachers, one of the big secrets, they don't like teaching the really smart kids. Because the really smart kids will correct you and do all that stuff. I told them I like teaching those mm. kids because I was that really smart kid, and nobody really kind of guided me. And then I kind of fell to the wayside because I really didn't take things serious. Because you kind of go through your whole life, that everyone tells you you're smart, so it's kind of like that growth, fixed mindset thing. Everybody's telling you you're smart, so you think you got it all figured out when you realize you don't. There's so much other things that go into life than just being smart, or great and talented, and all that good stuff. Anyway, that's my whole. Soapbox. But uh before we leave, so Ricardo, you got anything else for CC before we sign out? Uh yeah, see something I just caught on when it came to that
1: name. I know exactly where you are, young lady. Um, I have <laughs> a few friends stay out there. I know you out there in that Katy Freeway area. Um, I had one of my friends, she was thinking about going there because she had uh she did something to her leg or knee or she needed to do something. something she was telling me about. And um like we we really need more of that. Like, when it comes to black businesses, especially in that area, that's because, uh, as you know, Jeremiah knows it, which we stay in Houston, that's a very, very fast-growing area, very fluent going out towards that way. Um, Mm -hmm. That Memorial City, Energy Corridor area. And it's it's nice to see that someone that looks like me has a business like that that um, I can go and be like, okay, I know I'm going to get top-quality service. She uh, she's well you know and well trained and well you know saying student in all these fields. So when it comes to that, like I'm not trying to play any type of cousin, but that's more what I'm looking towards now, especially in these days and time in this society, of helping and looking out from my own, and and, and funding my own. You know, especially when it comes to that, because I think someone. And this not to offend anyone else that's out there listening to this podcast, but I think someone that looks like me would care more about me and my well-being. With that being said,
0: okay, I guess that's perfect for what he said, then. So I guess before we sign out, kind of give us like how people can reach you. I guess reach you. I guess your business, like all the things you offer at uh, Busy Body Body Fitness, and um, and right, busy body.
3: Yeah, I'm a busy body. Busy
0: body.
1: Yeah, I mean,
3: everybody.
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, so yes, it's busybody fitness and rehab. I do believe and support Black businesses now more than ever. This is definitely time. Um and um, but I can be reached at www.busybodyrehab.com. Our handles on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are busybody rehab. Um, and my personal is Doctor CC DPT and we have a team for both outpatients and home health and to supply all all the needs so we are our main office is located actually in galleria area um sandwich in between westheimer and Mm -hmm. san felipe so i know exactly where we partner with that busybody that you see they actually sell equipment and but if you need any physical therapy uh, right now it's a tough time with, with all that's going on um this is not just a you know when we one color or the other, but people are losing their jobs, and so you're losing your insurance. Um, so, um, and then now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so going to a big hospital, a big Memorial herman with bed and like ten beds here is boutique style. So you, it's one person per um, per one therapist, and it's we make it fun. And like I said, you come a caterpillar, you leave a butterfly. You are leaving the cocoon, <laughs> and you got every single thing you need when you leave here. So yes, follow us Instagram. Follow us, Facebook. Um, we love to have you, especially if you're here in Houston.
0: Thank you for joining us. Um, it was, I guess, great. I felt like I um, learned a little bit about how cheerleading works. I guess I didn't. I was like, man, I don't know a whole lot about this stuff, so I don't know if I can really talk intelligently about this. But uh, thank you. You did for
3: good. Me. Go Downs.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. oh Yes. Oh, yeah. And another thing,
1: Jeremiah, not to cut you off, but Miss Cece, please. Oh, doctor, my bad. I apologize for that. Dr. Caesar, could you please, please, if you could do us it, a big favor, could you share this this uh, podcast to your page so we can spread out amongst the masses and everybody can watch this watch this interview, this wonderful, beautiful interview that you did.
2: Absolutely,
3: you guys have to give me a little bit more information too.
0: I'll do that. I'll make sure I do that.
3: Please share for sure. Okay. Now,
0: now if you can get all your soul rules to share it too, it'll be perfect. oh for sure
3: just (laughs) will you send me the link i got you i want to be able to i wanted to do that today but i didn't know if it was going on live or do you do it so i didn't know i wanted to actually do that but thank you for working with me and switching the time i'm actually Uh, volunteering and i got
0: and i got it too i was like man uh i was like i know she's trying to do her schedule and i was thinking i got a feeling she's type a and i know how that is because i'm type a So, I'm not, I'm just Uh not
3: techie. I'm just not techie. So, I was just nervous Uh about getting on and being able to log on. But, Uh yes, this evening, thank you. I'm giving back to the Houston Food Bank. I will be there uh, with the Junior League Mm -hmm. organization.
0: And so, this worked for our 12 o'clock appointment. All right. So, guys, you've been listening from the dog's mouth with Dr. CC Cook. We're signing out. Hill State. State. All right. Bye, Bye, guys. See you. Thank you.